Well, good morning, everyone. I want to say a special good morning and uh, welcome to those who are watching via video at our Allison campus on Sunday morning and those who are watching um, via the internet. I'm going to start off my message uh, with a story. A few years ago, my husband David and I had noticed that the front door to our house wasn't closing properly. And at first, we would just find ways of closing it by adding a little extra lift or an extra twitch to the doorknob, you know, and then it would close. But after a while, it was taking more than just a little adjustment, and we soon had to start slamming the door hard, and it was getting more and more difficult to lock it. So we'd even find ourselves having to literally wrestle with the lock in order to get it to click. Well, we knew it was time to call someone in when we could see the cracks of daylight coming through the top of the door. The frame and the door were slowly becoming misaligned. So we called a carpenter in to come and take a look. And at first, they thought they just, that the door just needed a shim put into it, you know, use a shingle-style piece of wood, and that would level things out. And we thought, okay, phew, we sighed. A piece of wood and maybe an hour's worth of labor. No problem, no worries. But as the carpenter was working, he discovered that it was a little more serious. So he recommended we get a door expert in. We thought, a door expert? That's great. So the door expert came and he said the whole door system needed to be replaced. He thought that perhaps it had been installed improperly when the house was built and there was no other solution but to replace the entire system. And when I say the entire door system, I mean the door frame, the side windows that come down the side of the door, the window half round at the top, and of course the door itself. So the whole thing would have to be replaced. Okay, we said. That was definitely going to be a few more dollars, absolutely, but it had to be done, and it had to be done right. So the door and window company uh, came to install the new system, and as they were removing the old door and the frame, they found that the wood at the base of the door was rotten. The door frame had literally been sinking because it was wet. They decided to go and take a look underneath the, the door frame, and that meant going down into our basement to take a look to find the root of the problem. And they found that the gyp rock was completely soaked beneath the floor, and it was also the insulation behind the gyp rock was soaking wet. And this water had been there for quite a while, and that was what caused the wood to rot. So they would have to tear out the old gyp rock and the wet insulation and replace it. What? Really? Are you serious? Is that what we have to do? Well, okay, we can deal with that. But then they asked the question, now, where did the water come from that seeped down, rotting the frame and then causing the gyp rock and the insulation to be wet? So they decided they would climb up onto the roof where the overhanging that goes over the doorway is, and they took some shingles off the peak. And that's when I heard the scream. Yes, we all rushed out to see what was wrong, and the guy on the roof was yelling for someone to get some ant spray because he'd found the largest ant's nest that he had ever seen. And the wood was so wet that he could literally flake parts of it away like it was tuna from a can. This would now be into the thousands of dollars to repair 
as they had to rip apart that roof overhang piece. They had to tear out and replace a piece of the wall that came down beside the door itself. They had to replace the wet insulation and then the gyprock and crack fill it and paint the new wall. Wow, that was amazing. We found out that the problem was not the problem. Our door wasn't closing properly. It was only a symptom of something that was going on that we couldn't see. There was something deeper, something more serious that was causing that door not to shut properly. And we found out that all this trouble, all of these damages were because of a piece of roof flashing that had not been installed when the house was built. Our big troubles were caused by a little missing piece of sheet metal. The problem was not the problem. And really, as I think about this story, and I think about the many areas in our lives, I think that, you know, we can apply this idea that sometimes the problem is not the problem. I think of when we get sick and the way that the doctor diagnoses the real problem. It's by looking at the symptoms. The symptoms are not the problem, however. I've seen in doctor's offices recently signs that say, is it the cold or is it the flu? Apparently, people get the two mixed up, so you can read the list of symptoms that will tell you which one you likely have. The problem is not the problem. We can look at the world around us. We see people who are hungry here and around the world. I led a team to Rwanda in the fall of last year, and I witnessed people struggling to live on less than $2 a day. I saw child-headed households because parents had either died from the genocide in 1994 or HIV-AIDS. Poverty and world hunger are the symptoms. But the problem is not the problem. I mean, we can look at our relationships. Many of us are struggling in our marriages or friendships or with our own children. And we wonder why we just can't seem to get along, as we often find ourselves in an exhausting battle of outwitting, outlasting, and outsmarting our spouses or our kids. And with summer vacations and family trips coming up, we hope for just a moment, is it possible, maybe everyone would just get along? Relationship issues are only the symptoms. The problem is not the problem. But if we're really honest, we only need to look in the mirror. Why do we lose our tempers easily? Why do we look at others with a critical eye or with jealousy? Why can we not seem to be satisfied with what we have and always think we need more? Why are we not able to conquer that bad habit or that addiction no matter how hard we try? You see, the problem is not the problem. Well, you say, Pastor, I mean, we've gone from rotten doors to poverty to relational troubles and then getting personal, talking about our own personal struggles, and you're saying the problem's not the problem. I mean, in all honesty, we could have just had the door expert treat the symptoms, and he could have just put in a new door frame. And by the way, they told us that if we had not found the real problem and had it diagnosed and had addressed it, they told us that the whole front of our house would have eventually collapsed. Wow. We can say that we would like to solve world hunger and child abuse and poverty. Just give it some more study. Let's get the experts studying the complexities of poverty and hunger. Maybe we should send more money along. That's all that we need to do, right? Those things are great. But you know, 
they don't address the real issue. Or if we just read another self-help book, or if we get counseling or even watch Dr. Phil, we'll be able to sort out our family dynamics. Well, the truth is, we could all use some good counseling for sure, and Lord knows there may be some strategies that would relieve some of the tension in our homes or even in our marriages. But it really doesn't get to the heart of the problem. So what's the problem? Well, are you ready for this? I'm sorry to tell you this, but according to the Bible, we're all suffering from a heart condition, and its source is sin. Sin is quietly breeding serious consequences in our world and in our relationships and in our own personal lives. You see, we were created by God to be loved by him and for us to love him and serve him. That was the plan, that we would live in perfect community with God. And that was once the case. But the moment that Adam and Eve chose to willfully rebel against God, sin came into the world and we've been suffering the effects ever since. The Bible says that sin separates us from God, that it cuts us off from him. And because of it, we can no longer live in his presence and we can no longer live out the fullness of our potential which was found in that relationship. And instead, our identity and the fulfillment of God-given desires are now found elsewhere. We try to find our love, acceptance, and identity through our performance and other people's opinions or a combination thereof. We find ourselves filled with shame and, and filled with broken relationships and looking for love in all the wrong places. But these are only symptoms of our sin condition. I'd like us now to read about this condition in Matthew 15. You see, in this passage, Jesus is talking to some Pharisees, it says, and the teachers of the law. They were complaining that the disciples aren't following the law. They weren't ceremonially washing their hands before they ate. And you can read about this earlier in chapter uh, 15 of Matthew. But Jesus knows the problem is not the problem. It's not whether the rules around food are followed. That's the problem here. And Jesus knows it. He says it's not about what goes into our body that defiles us. It's what comes out of our mouths. And what comes out of our mouths is a symptom of the state of our hearts. So if you'd like to turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. And I'm going to start at verse 16. This is what Jesus says. He says, don't you understand yet? Jesus asked, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words that you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Wow, you want to talk about problem definition. And Jesus gives this. He isn't about healing the symptoms. He wants to get right to the heart of the matter. And it's the state of our heart that matters. That's what matters to Jesus. You see, the problems of our world, you know, wars, 
poverty, child trafficking, abuse, and the problems in our communities, crimes, drugs, homelessness, and the problems within our homes and in our own lives are tragic outcomes or symptoms of the greater problem. And that finds itself in its origins in sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Wow. You know, so when someone tells you to follow your heart, be careful. And one author says that when the New Testament refers to the heart, it's looking at your entire being, your mind, your desires, emotions, your spirit, your soul. It's the whole package of what makes you, you. And the point is that the source of evil lies in a mind and a heart that is tainted with sin. And the actions you take and the emotions that you experience are just the outer expression of what is in your heart and in your mind. You see, the problem is not the problem. So what's the solution? Well, once again, we've got to turn to God's word. And we can read in 1 Corinthians 6, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth. And he is reminding them that because of what Christ has done, that through his death and resurrection, he has gotten to the heart of our problem, that we are no longer helpless, willing victims, but we're made new through faith in Christ. And he lifts off all of the symptoms that are expressed before coming to faith in Christ. You can read about this earlier on in in the chapter. He talks about idolatry, adultery, stealing, greed, you name it. It's all listed there. And then he says, and I love this because this is the good news, some of you were once like that. Some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, some of us were like that. Some of us were like that before Christ. But Jesus took care of the problem. He goes right to the heart, and he did what no one else could ever do. Now just imagine, just imagine what our world would look like if people had that heart change through faith in Christ, if they called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God were made right with him. What would our world look like? Would poverty be an issue anymore? Would anyone go hungry? Imagine in our communities if we humbly prayed for God to move through this local church in a way that had such an impact on our surrounding communities that people would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God would be made right with him and they began to serve him and others. We would be an unstoppable force in our communities. Just imagine in our marriages and in our families, what would that look like? Spouses asking each other, how can I serve you today? Parents modeling and teaching their kids faith at home, impressing on them that God wants first place in their lives and that he has a plan for them. What would that look like? But I have to just pause and just say, maybe today 
God is calling you to stop struggling, to stop the struggle. Maybe today he's showing you that there is something deeper that's going on. Your struggles are only symptoms of something more serious that only he can take care of. And he's saying, the problem is not the problem. I love you, and I want you to turn to me. This is what God is saying. Imagine if right now, in this moment, in this moment, you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God, you were made right with him. Today you can say, once I was like that, but now I am cleansed and made holy because I've put my faith and trust in him. I am made right with God because Jesus took care of the problem. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a world that offers temporary treatment for the sad symptoms of a greater problem. We confess that often we want to ignore what's really going on when we look at the struggles that we find ourselves in. Father, forgive us. Self-help is no help at all as we search in vain for the cure for our sin and selfishness and we cannot find it. We are searching in vain. Lord, help us to realize that the problem is not the problem. No matter how hard we try to solve things on our own, from a human perspective, we need to get to the heart of the matter. Father, what do we really need? Lord, someone once said that if our greatest need had been education, you would have sent a teacher. If it had been money, you would have sent a banker. Father, if it was advice, you would have sent a counselor. And if it had been pleasure, you would have sent an entertainer. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, thank you, Lord, for sending us a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ. He is Christ the Lord, the Son of God, who has come from heaven to earth and who died for us, for our sins, and who rose again. And it's in his wonderful name that we pray all these things and we thank you. Amen.